Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The BIS is the Bank of, for International Settlements, the Bank for International Settlements. And what the bank does, this is what I read, is that uh, the, this bank, the BIS, is the bank for the world's central banks, like the Bank of Canada. So I guess the Bank of Canada has a debit card that it inserts into the machine outside the Bank of International Settlements and gets the billions and trillions of dollars that are required. Probably not. Professor Eric Cam joins us, professor of macroeconomics at Toronto Metropolitan University. We're going to talk about this because the BIS is warning that our elevated financial vulnerabilities are, quote, historically unprecedented. And I just uh, editorially added, doesn't sound good, eh? So is that how it works, Professor Cam? The Bank of Canada has a debit card and they stick it in the machine outside the BIS and then they just get all this money pouring out? Is that how it works? Hi, Roy. Well, you know, actually, yes. I mean, you know, other than there is no actual physical debit card, but the BIS is basically owned. It is a bank that is owned by 63 central banks across the world. And that adds up of about 95% of gross domestic product in the world. So the same as you bank at a bank, like one of the big five, I won't mention the names, they bank at the central bank. Well, the central bank has to bank somewhere. And so the BIS is one example and a huge example of where the central banks of the world park their money and they borrow and lend also. So it's a lim- it's, it's really illustrating two things, Roy, that are both fascinating. One is that there are many banking systems within the banking system, and a lot of people don't recognize that. So we're kind of educating here a little bit. But on a more negative note, you mentioned that you'd never heard of the BIS, and that's probably a good thing. You hadn't heard of the BIS because nobody had talked about it, because it's one of the things you only hear about when there's trouble brewing in the economy. So the fact that you and the good listenership now are discussing the BIS means that things are a little bit worse than the government had first anticipated. So so tell us what they're saying. As I understand it, let me just give you the 10-second version that I got they're very concerned that interest rates, rising interest rates, could become endemic, and uh, and they're worried about um, about um, just just the spending and the debt we're in, and they have concerns about the housing that debt that exists in certain countries, maybe like ours. But when I hear them say that um, soaring inflation and elevated financial vulnerabilities are historically unprecedented. I do get worried. I do start. I mean, it's already concerning, but has the concern um, meter just ramped up even more? Well, that's what happens anytime somebody puts out one of these statements and calls something historically this or historically that. So to, to throw a little bit of water on this, in terms of what's going on with inflation right now, we can't really say it's historically unprecedented. That's not fair. I mean, it's been a long time. It's been a, a good 30 years since we've been seeing prices spiraling like this, Roy. But no, what, what is historically unprecedented is just sort of the time that we live in right now, because we've been faced with inflationary pressure before, but we've never seen it coupled with such supply side problems. And it's really that marriage of a mess 
which is historically significant right now. So what the BIS is talking about is that central banks, especially ones like ours and in the United States, have to have a very delicate balancing act, Roy, because they know they've got to increase the price to borrow money. But you don't want to increase the price to borrow money so high that nobody borrows money and the economy comes crashing down. So that's the razor's edge right now, is that you've got to increase the interest rate to a certain bliss level, but you don't want to go beyond it because you don't want to see real gross domestic product come tumbling down. And so there's your historically significant part. It's not that we've never seen this before. It's that we've never seen a confluence before, like we're living in right now, of supply issues and demand issues, Roy. Yeah. So the cherry-picked sentence that I have here circled is from the BIS. We may be reaching a tipping point beyond which an inflationary psychology spreads and becomes entrenched. This would mean a major paradigm shift. I see all these words and I'm thinking, word salad, tell me what, he re- tell me what you're really saying. Well, you see, again, I think that this is becoming increasingly problematic when we start using terms like this. What they're saying is that we hope that the world can solve the inflationary spiral before that spiral becomes an even greater spiral. I mean, using words like endemic, you're just, you know, you're, you're kind of almost preying on people's remembrances of the pandemic when we use words like that. All that they're trying to say here, so I'm trying to put out a, a minor fire, Roy, is they're trying to say, let's let's get this under control before it becomes even more out of control. Because we don't want people thinking that price increases the way they're seeing today are the norm. And that's how a, a functioning economy should be. We're not supposed to have increases the way we have today. So what they're saying is, is before this becomes normalized and people are used to seven, eight percent increases period over period, let's try to solve this subject to the constraint. Let's solve it before we put gross domestic product into the trash. And then we have an even more serious problem, as you know, called stagflation. Yeah. You, You raised stagflation on the air with us. Has to be a year ago now or maybe longer where you expressed concern that it could be on the way. What uh, what do we make of this then? Here's a story, Global News story, this weekend, posted yesterday, uh, written by Craig Lord. Canadians are in a spending mood heading into summer. What that means for inflation, and I'm just reading, again, uh, cherry-picking a sentence here, for Canadians weighing decades-high inflation with pent-up demand for travel and other experiences after years of pandemic lockdown, the answer seems to be landing on buy now. What do you say about that? What do you say to Canadians well, uh, who want to spend? You, you know what, Roy? I think, and again, I, I kind of enjoy these topics because you and I get to kind of burst a couple balloons. And I think this balloon, as we burst it, means that an economy is made up of many, many different types of spenders. And I think this really um, visualizes for us some income inequality, meaning that if you're on the, uh, the far right of the income distribution curve, then you are a person with wealth and you probably are very excited to spend that wealth coming out of a period where you couldn't spend it because things weren't open. But I would ask people before they jump up and down and say, you know, the country's dying to spend money, that you and I, I would argue more than anybody I've heard on the radio, have outlined that far too many people are on the left side of the curve. 
and are one paycheck away from insolvency. So I think we've got to remember that that is a bigger proportion of the population than the far right of the population economic wise that can't wait to get out and spend money. So again, you know, I like the sentence you cherry picked, but I would like to just go beneath it and say, sure, if you're in the top 5% of income earners, now is a wonderful time to spend. But there's a 95% that aren't that lucky, Roy. All right, so... uh... Let me go for the really weak metaphor here. So I'm peering into the tunnel, and all I see is nothing, just dark. And then, Professor Cam, I see a little glimmer of light. Am I seeing a glimmer of sunshine, or had I better press myself up against the wall because that glimmer of light is going to turn into an onrushing train, as far as the economy is concerned? Yeah, I mean, listen, happy Canada Day weekend. I don't want to be the downer, but um, that light is a, is, a, is a reminder. It is a warning of what can happen when central banks and governments are unable to work together to control their macroeconomic problems. So what that light should do is really remind the good listenership that now more than ever, we, we rely on and expect our government to be responsive and work with the central bank to get this under control. The BIS is right. Before we see widespread stagflation, let's work to bring down inflation by itself so we don't make a bad situation worse. So, uh, you know, a little a little ray of sunshine, Roy, which means we're not in stagflationary times yet. And you know what? It's okay. We're not there yet. Let's cross our fingers and hope that the economy does what it's supposed to do, the government does what it is supposed to do, and stop before we get to stagflation. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.